Let's read the word of the Lord together. Psalm 95, we'll begin at verse 1 and read the psalm together. Let's read. Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who err in their heart and they do not know my ways. Therefore, I swore in my anger, truly, they shall not enter unto my rest. Lord, open our hearts now to receive your word. Let us hear what the Spirit will say in the midst of the preaching. I lift up other life-giving churches and I pray blessing upon them and I lift up our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you that you would draw them to a place of repentance and particularly I pray for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. Draw them back to you, Lord. Don't let one of them be lost, I pray. In the only name that matters, the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. If I were to randomly choose 10 people from the congregation today and ask you what it means to worship, I would probably get 10 different answers. Some answers would be reflective of your tradition and your background. Some would perhaps reflect your age. Some would reflect your experience. Some would reflect your training. I found that when it comes to the subject of worship, most everybody has a viewpoint. When you look at what the Bible says about worship, you quickly reach the conclusion that what you think about worship and what your neighbor thinks about worship, even what the pastor thinks about worship, is entirely irrelevant. The only viewpoint that matters is God's. Worship is more than a liturgy to follow on Sunday mornings. Worship is more than the songs you sing and the prayers you pray and the the offerings you bring. Worship is more than sermons and responses. Worship is not relegated to what is called a worship service on Sunday. Real worship is an expression of a passionate commitment to the Lord. Real worship is an outflow from your life. Real worship is an expression of the heart in response to the love and the mercy and the grace of God. In worship, 
you declare the value and the worth of God to your life. Through worship, your life is shaped by the focus of your life because as you worship, you become like the object of your worship. Worship connects you to the power of God. Worship positions you to experience the favor of God. Worship pushes back the darkness of your spiritual enemy and enables you to receive the deliverance of God. Worship brings you into alignment with the purpose of God. Worship ushers you into the presence of God. Worship keeps you steady in the midst of the storm so you can know the peace of God. Worship gets your eyes off the temporal and focused on the eternal so you can have the hope of God. Worship keeps the channel clear so you can be a conduit for the grace of God. And the question is never, how do you want to worship? The real question is, how does God want to be worshipped? The standard for worship isn't, are you comfortable The standard is, what does God want? The psalm that forms the text for the message today helps to answer that question of what God wants in worship. Psalm 95 is one of the didactic psalms. That means it is a teaching psalm. It is written to teach something, in this case, teach something about worship. It gives instruction about the feelings and the emotions that are associated with worship. Instruction about the proper balance that should be present in times of worship. The psalm begins with a summons to worship. You find it three different times in this psalm. Verse 1, O come. Verse 2, let us come. Verse 6, come. It's a summons. This summons is both an invitation and a command to have an audience with the one who is the king of all the earth. Now think about that. It's a command. Come and worship. It's also an invitation. Come and worship. The summons is significant because it shows that you aren't to worship God on your own terms. You're to worship on his terms. He doesn't come to you for your worship. You are to come to him with your worship. Now, over the years, I've found there are a number of false ideas about worship that have found their way into the church. One false idea is that worship is for me. The psalmist says, come. He doesn't say, come if you feel like it. Come if you're in the mood. Come if you know they're going to sing the songs you like to hear. In reality, you aren't coming to church to worship. Instead, you're to come worshiping to church. If you expect to suddenly turn it on once you walk in the building, it's not usually going to happen. If you expect someone else to get you ready to worship, it's not usually going to happen. If you're wanting somebody to cheerlead you into worship, it's not going to happen. If you come waiting to critique the music or the message or the temperature or the acoustics 
or the media or the lighting or the comfort of the seats, then you may have a great time, but you will not have worshiped. Have you ever said or heard said, well, I just didn't get anything out of the service today? I didn't get anything out of the singing. I didn't get anything out of the message. Well, I'm going to tell you, anytime I hear those words, it tells me right away that the one who spoke them has fallen for this false idea of what worship is. Because worship isn't the songs. It isn't the sermon. It's not the prayers. Those are designed to facilitate worship, but worship is what each individual brings to the service. It's a heart laid bare before God saying, I'm here to honor you because there is nothing more important that I can do and expects nothing in return. See, worship actually begins with your attitude. If you come with the attitude that you're here to receive instead of give, if you think worship is about you, then you've missed the point of worship. There's another false idea about worship. This says that worship depends on my circumstances. Anytime you make worship out about you, then you link it with your mood at the time. And your mood is usually dependent upon what's going around you or what's happening to you. Over the years I've been doing this, I've seen couples have a sure enough knockdown, down, no holds barred fight on the way to church. And then walk into the house of God and all they can do is sit and stew about what's happened on the way to church. Well, this psalm is a reminder that worship isn't based on circumstances. It's a response to God and who he is and what he has done. Nothing that happens to you can change those things. Worship isn't tied to what happens to you or how you happen to be feeling. It's a response to the power and the love of God. There's a third idea, false idea about worship. It's the thinking that corporate worship is nice but not necessary. There are a whole slew of people who have bought into this idea. It doesn't take much to keep you away from the house of God and the company of the saints. You know, church is nice, but... If anything else comes up, you put church at the end of your list and think, well, I'll try to make it next week. I'm not even going to dignify that with much, okay? The last false idea about worship is that worship happens once a week. Now, worship in the company of other believers is vital, but that's not enough. See, worship isn't a once a week thing. It's a lifestyle. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he writes in Romans 12 and 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I want to tell you, it isn't pleasing to God when worship is confined to a building but has no impact on who you are in the marketplace. The songs you sing, the sermons you hear, the prayers you pray, they are meaningless if they aren't backed with a heart that genuinely loves and desires to follow God. Sunday morning should just be a culmination of the private worship that has taken place in your life all during the week. The psalm is a summons, a call to worship. In issuing this call, this psalm gives some instructions about what that worship should look like. Every verse revolves around God, and since worship is all about God, He is the one who gets to decide how you should worship. First of all, this call to worship is a call to rejoice in the sovereignty of God. I like the translation of this verse that says, 
in that first verse that says, Oh, come, let us give a ringing shout of joy to Yahweh. Oh, come and let us give a shout of triumph to the rock of our salvation. The kind of worship the psalmist describes is vocal, vibrant, and vigorous. Sing for joy, shout aloud, extol God with music and song. Now, now I found that this verse makes some people uncomfortable. For some reason, they seem to think that the only place to shout in church is in a business meeting. And it won't do for you to say that shouting is all right for others, but I'm just not a shouting person. God will not hear of it because most people really are shouting people. It's just that you shout somewhat selectively. Some people aren't shouting people until you become perturbed at the children. Some people aren't shouting people until you're cut off in traffic by some turkey who thinks he owns the road. Some people aren't shouting people until you become engrossed in the game and your favorite team pulls out the win in the final seconds. Perhaps one of the biggest reasons shouting is limited in worship is because your joy is limited. Worship has become a chore. Worship has become a duty. Worship has become a requirement. It, it, it's become a ritual. You've forgotten that worship is an invitation to an audience with the king of the universe. You've forgotten that worship is an opportunity to be transformed into the likeness of the divine image. You don't shout because you've lost the excitement of the psalmist when he sang, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You don't shout because you've lost the expectation that when you come into the presence of the Almighty, marvelous, wonderful, even miraculous things are going to happen. Maybe what you need is for Psalm 51 and 2 to take hold of your heart when David prayed, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Maybe, maybe what you need is a fresh revelation of the grace of God that has been extended to your life. Maybe what you need is a clear understanding of just how incredible incredibly blessed you are. Maybe what you need is a new reminder of who you really are in Jesus. Maybe what you need is a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit so that you can join with Romans 14 and 17 and say that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I, I want to tell you, one of the most important revivals that could take place in the modern church would be a revival of joy. <laughs> a revival of joy. I'm looking for some people today who know the joyful sound of those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus. I'm looking for some people who are saved and who are happy about it. I'm looking for some people who have been blessed and are willing to lift their voice like a trumpet and shout joyful praise to the Lord in thanksgiving for all of his benefits. See, let me tell you, joy is what will touch the hearts of your loved ones and bring them to Jesus. I, I, I see too many folks going, well, yeah, you know, it's, this way of serving Jesus is so hard. But don't you want to come know Jesus? I, I think I'll pass. I think I'll just go a different direction. But see, 
Joy is what will touch the heart of your loved one and bring them to Jesus. It is joy that will speak to your coworkers and cause them to want what you have. It is joy that will be an attraction to people who are lost and dying in this world of sin and will bring them out of darkness into the light of his glorious presence. <laughs> Everywhere you look, there is despair and depression and desperation. Somebody needs to be a ray of light and a ray of hope. Somebody needs to be a sound of joy in the midst of sorrow. Come into his presence and shout joyfully. And here's why. Verse 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Now li listen. I'm not uninformed about the condition of our world. I know life is tough right now. All week long, my phone has been blowing up with phone calls and text messages and emails coming of just in this congregation. I'm not ignorant of the challenges you're facing. I know that I'm preaching right now to people who have had your world turned upside down. Some of you have found yourself walking through a deep, dark valley, and it doesn't look like there's any way out. I came to tell you today, under the authority of God's word, with the anointing of the Holy Ghost on my life, that it's too soon to give up. There is nothing that is going on in this world and nothing that is going on in your life that has taken God by surprise. Nothing has caused him to scratch his head in amazement. Nothing has caused him to topple off his celestial throne. He is still the sovereign ruler of this universe. He is still the master of every storm. He is still, he is still causing all things to work for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He is still redeeming and reshaping and restoring. He is still bringing all things to completion according to his master plan and his divine purpose that will turn out for your benefit. I am convinced that it will turn out for your good in the end. And if it is not yet for your good, that's because it's not yet the end. This, this isn't time for a dirge. This isn't time for board ritualism. God is great. God is sovereign. Your spiritual enemy is defeated. You worship a living, loving God. You've been brought from sin unto salvation. You've been brought from bondage into freedom. You've been brought from darkness into light. You've been loved unconditionally. You've been given a resource of power that causes you to overwhelmingly triumph in Christ. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You're on the winning side. I tell you, it's time the people of God begin to recognize all that is yours and begin to celebrate with joyful shouts, ringing shouts of joy to our great God. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Glory be to God. Joy in the house right now. Joy to your life right now. Joy in the presence of the Lord. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? I got more sermon to preach, but I'm done. The Holy Ghost says you're done for today. I'm done for now. Come, Pastor Larry. I, I, I got two more points, and they're really good. Maybe I'll get to preach them at 10 o'clock so you can watch the, watch the service online for that. I don't know. But I just feel like the Lord wants to release joy in somebody's life right now. You've got a reason to celebrate today. You don't, you don't have to just, I, I know you're oppressed. I know you're discouraged. Somebody just needs to lift up your head. Straighten your shoulders and realize the Lord, the Lord is great. He's sovereign in your life. You can go one more day. You can go one more day. The Lord's, I, I read in Lamentations. You know, Lamentations is a disturbing book. It's a depressing book. That's why it's called Lamentations. The weeping prophet is just crying all over the place. Oh, God, you know. But right in the middle of it, right in the middle of Lamentations, do you know what the prophet says? Let me, let me just tell you. I don't want to misquote it. I want to make sure I get it right. Remembering my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Boy, that, isn't, that, isn't that a great way to start out? Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. Some of you, that describes just the way you walked into this service today. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to mind. <laughs> Therefore, I have hope. What? The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great! my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. That's 
Why, we just go ahead and rejoice. The devil been on your back? Just go ahead and laugh in his face a little bit. Has he been trying you and testing you? Has, have the cares of life just piled in on top of you? Just go ahead and, 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 and laugh about it. Because the Lord's loving kindnesses never cease. They are new every morning. His faithfulness yes, is great. I've, I've, I've come to the end of my time, but I got to do this. If you need a release of joy in your life, then I want you to come down here really quick. I'm not going to wait on you. Come now. I need a release of joy in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me right now. He has anointed me for this, this time. He, there, is a, there is a special unction and anointing of the Lord that has just now come upon my life to release joy into your life, 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 into yours, 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 yours. Release joy to you. Notice what I did not say. I did not come to release happiness. Happiness has to do with what's happening to you. Come on. I'm not a, I, I can't do anything about your happiness. I will tell you that most of your happiness is a decision. You can choose to be happy or you can choose to be upset and sad and all other things. You, you, can, you can choose those things. But I can release joy because joy is not dependent upon your circumstances. Joy is a release of the presence of God into your life. So I release joy to you right now. I release joy into your life, the presence of God. I release joy into your joy, joy to you, joy to you. In the name of Jesus, I release joy into your life. The presence of God now to flood your life, flood your life, flood your life. Come here, Tina. I release the joy of the Lord. Enough. Enough of all this other garbage that you've dealt with. Enough of it. Be gone. Be gone. Joy. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I release joy, joy that I have. I release joy. I release joy. Joy in your life. The presence of God to fill you and to thrill you. I release His
He said that your joy might be full. Full. You, you know what that means? If you're going to be full of joy, you're going to be full of the Lord. And you can't have a whole bunch of other stuff fill in your life and be full of the Lord. You can't, you can't be full of self and full of the Lord at the same time. You just can't contain that. You're going to be full of one or the other. So, so every time the self tries to get up in the way, and every time the cares of life try to encroach and, and get you worried and bothered and thinking about those things, that's when you take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and you begin to say, no, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and that means I'm going to be filled with the fullness of the Lord. So God in me, everything else out of me, everything else out of me, the Lord in me. I got to quit. <laughs> hey, can I sing one more song? Well, go ahead, sing it. It is again. joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half has never yet been told. Oh, it is joy unspeakable. one more thing before we uh, before we make our declaration and benediction and get out of here I'm, I need to talk to some people that are part of our online congregation this joy that we're experiencing right here some of you sitting there right now going man I wish I could have some of that can I just tell you you can have it right there where you are yes sir you can. Now, I'd prefer you were here. God knows I'd rather you were here, but, but I'm glad you're there with us. 
And I want you to know the same spirit that is touching people's lives right here can be released into your life too. Here's what I want to ask this congregation to do. I'm going to ask everybody to turn and face this middle camera right here, would you? I know that sounds weird, but let's just do it anyway, okay? Work with me here. I want you to extend your hand toward that camera, knowing that it's not a camera, but there's somebody on the other side of that camera. There's a person right now that's struggling. There's a person that's hurting. There's a a person that is discouraged right now on the other side of that camera. And right now, I want you to just pray, and I want you to, in the name of the Lord Jesus, to just say, I release the joy of the Lord to you right now. Come on. Do it. I release joy to your life. The joy of the Holy Spirit, I release into your life. Right where you are, I release the joy of the Lord. (laughs) Do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. The joy of the Lord. Sense His presence right now. Fill that room where they are, Lord, with your presence. Fill their heart with your presence. Fill them with your joy. Fill them to overflowing. Give them the strength, O Lord. Give them the strength to make it another day. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, one more time, let's just give God praise in this house.